Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff, and as usual, I'm here with my good buddies Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. And these jamokies love to debate and deliberate the most ubiquitous aspects of any given topic. And this week, we've chosen the topic chess, as in chess players, as in uh, chess players that you might see uh, or know of in real life, and then ones that you might have seen in entertainment or uh, television or uh, movies or something like that. And they are not alone. Uh, the Rook, uh, they are simply pawns in the game of the uh, Rook <laughs> who's uh, come to knight uh, himself by winning our game, most likely. And that is Scott Vinci, very funny comedian and personal friend of mine. How are you, Scott? Fantastic, Jeff. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's go bowling. Let's go bowling. Let's <laughs> I don't go. know what that meant. But. I really want to win that car. There's no car. There's no prize. <laughs> okay, so um, Scott, I will confess to the world who, uh, and all the world does listen to this podcast, that you were the one who suggested this topic. Uh, why? You told me personally why. Why, why? Tell the world why you chose this topic. Uh, well, you know, I... Well, two things. One, in, during the pandemic, there were there are two TV shows that I've, well, well there's actually three, but two that I, I, I really liked was The Queen's Gambit and Cobra Kai. And I figured if you didn't come out of this pandemic loving chess or karate, you've got, <laughs> you've got something wrong. Uh, but I decided um, chess was uh, something uh, I was more near and dear to my heart. Um, I started playing when I was a kid. I'm not a great chess player at all. It's just fun for me. But um, when I watched The Queen's Gambit, I downloaded the app to play chess. Like, I just had to delete the app for chess because I was playing it so much, I wasn't getting anything done. <laughs> and that's how bad it was. But um, Wow. Yeah. So it did not, uh, in some forms of entertainment, they show somebody whose mind is uh good at playing chess that that's a bit of intelligence i would think that that would enable you to do a lot of stuff does aren't chess players usually brilliant and they can they can intellectually process a lot of information should you be doing more now that you're mr brilliant chess guy well thank you jeff you're insinuating i'm brilliant and that's pretty much true okay i appreciate that uh no he's on this show though so wait a minute yeah, that's a question <laughs> question oh. questionable taste <laughs> no i'm not exactly brilliant um I think it's just one of those things where um, it helps exercise the mind. You know, they're like, "Oh, these yeah. brain games help keep you young. If you don't, if you don't do these brain things, uh, you're gonna deteriorate into your old age." And I'm, I kind of think of it like that. I'm like, "Yeah, I just want to do something, you know, that taxes my mind a little bit." And I think chess is one of those things. Right on. Okay, cool. You know, for um, for a while, I was really getting into like thousand piece um, jigsaw puzzles through like some app on my iPad. And then I figured out a way to game the system by just stacking all of them on top of each other. Um, and then I would like clear a thousand piece puzzle in like three minutes. And I was like, oh yeah, this is, I'm, I'm just a dumb person. Wait, stacking them. Um, like you can like move, you can move the pieces over to the board, but if you put them on top of each other, they'll just start automatically linking up. Oh, wow. Just because, and then I realized uh, I, I, I'm, I'm never playing chess. I'm uh, cheating I, at puzzles. I'm, I'm, I'm cheating. I'm cheating at jigsaw puzzles. So I don't. I don't know what I would do, like in terms of like just uh, card games or just playing chess or whatever. Yeah. So I, at some point, I just gave it all up and was like, just just stop playing games altogether. You're just you're just go a bad to, person. Go back to bubble bobble. Yeah, <laughs> love that game. Well, those right, are dudes. the skills you need: the cunning and the the wherewithal to play chess. Oh yeah, you know, smarts. <laughs> I, I think, one, well, we can discuss the aspects of uh, that we've learned from chess while we discuss our choices. So uh, our guests always go first. So what color is the chess piece that goes first? Uh, white always goes first. You are white in this case, uh, Mr. Scott Vinci. So you will be the first person to make a move here in this Mount Rushmore of fictional chess players. Fictional and real. And real. Because... Uh... One's fictional, actually. The other three are real. Nice. Okay. What's your first? Well, the first one is Bobby Fischer. Heard of him. Cool. Yeah, because because even if he's the guy you've heard of, even if you haven't played chess, you know his name. Yeah. You're like, he's like the icon of chess, like before. Mm -hmm. And then um, the second one. Oh, we'll do one at a time. 
Oh, okay, sorry. So yeah, so tell us why. So you picked Bobby Fischer because it's kind of the Michael Jordan of chess, at least to, to contemporary audiences. And uh, he, he even is mentioned in the name of a chess movie about a chess player who's not Bobby Fischer in searching for Bobby Fischer. So he's like so ubiquitously matched with the game. Do you know anything about the actual Bobby Fischer? Because I can't say that I do. You know, I know a little bit. Um, he, um, well, he died in 2008 and he had a, uh, he made up this game called Fisher Random Chess, uh, which they say is like a chess variant of like where they put all the pieces randomized on a, on a, oh, wow. on a board. And I think they have to like play it out after that. But um, he was kind of, I think he was kind of a little, um, I wouldn't say reckless, but reckless, but like a, almost like the J.D. Salinger of chess, somebody who's, who's, uh, whose life in the spotlight after being a, becoming famous for chess did not please, did not please them or did not suit them. So, yeah, I think that was a big part. I think he was, he was tormented inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's very and a very attractive, whether it's real or fictional, a uh, very attractive character arc for people is that person who accomplishes something that many people wish they could but then we see how it does not deliver um a happily ever after for that person they find themselves tormented a bit by the spotlight that they're well, it, makes you, to. it makes you wonder like if they were kind of normal would they have been who they were because if they were mm -hmm. kind of normal they wouldn't have the aberration that led them to be the winner of their thing in their field do you know what i'm saying yeah it yeah yeah, I, I think of somebody like, uh, um, uh, oh my God, Michael, uh, Mike Tyson, were he not a, a person who has a talent for, for violence, <laughs> would he have uh, fared much better? He would have just been a, yeah, he would have just been a champion pigeon raiser. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> he would have was, uh, taught elocution, uh, perhaps. <laughs> uh, yeah, were he, it, the, the skill that, gives them success in this the domain of their profession is one that does not give them success outside of that domain um that's uh i also wonder hey why didn't you play the game in your brain a few moves ahead and realize you weren't ready for this uh chess people are uh, i think chess players are so notorious for thinking a few steps ahead you're always living in <laughs> many moves down the board why didn't you know that this wasn't going to suit you once once you succeeded at it? So. Yeah, he also had the uh, the hottest of hot takes, which was nine eleven. That was good. Oh wow, that's a hot take right there. Yeah, that's wow. that's that's a spicy hot take. Yeah, that's very that's the spiciest spicy. of the hot takes. Oh, I did not know that his politics or his uh, comments. Yeah, he uh, had. I mean, he was definitely anti-Semitic, even though his mother was Jewish. Um. You know, he was uh, made lots of anti-Semitic comments throughout his life. Wow. Uh, um, yeah, said that 9-11 was a, a good thing. Uh, was arrested in Japan because he was using a revoked passport to try to get on a, uh, uh, a Japanese airline flight. Um, he was someone who had, he was a very complex person, let's mm -hmm. put it that way. Yeah. And yeah. I, think, I think that he is... You know, whether or not, I think the question is whether or not his, the pressures that were put on him at such a young age kind of turned him that way, or if he would have been that way, no matter what. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a nurture versus nature mm -hmm. question. It's fascinating. Yeah. I think, you know, we may discuss uh, more individuals who found this profession or found success who whose intellect was such that they may have found torment in almost any, they, they, their intellect may have been uh, a thing that brought them into conflict with the world, no matter what they did professionally. Mm. But uh, I would also wonder if maybe chess was enough of a world to escape into that it may have even uh, uh, um, held off some of that aberration for, you know, some, sometimes I wonder if Michael, uh, Mike Tyson had not been able to beat people up inside the ring. <laughs> Would that have happened more outside of the ring? So, yeah. yeah, was just a good thing or a bad thing? So, very interesting. Okay, why don't we move on to Michael and Richard for their first choice? Okay, I'll go first, Michael, if that's okay. And uh, I will go with, you know, Bobby Fischer was great. 
You fool, you fell into my trap. Ah, uh, darn. We're on the same team. <laughs> Wait, we're on the same team. And- so what are you doing? Um, yeah, he was he was great and all, but was he undefeated? I don't think so. You know who was an undefeated chess player? Chewbacca. Chewbacca. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> J- Jarek and chess are two different things, aren't they? They're basically, <laughs> they are basically the same thing. Okay, There's, sure. it's, it's space chess, Jeff. Okay. You know this. <laughs> it's and he's undefeated because you have to let the Wookiee win. Okay. Because otherwise he will rip your arms off. Yeah, Bobby Fisher's going to pull your arms out of your sockets when he loses. <laughs> exactly. I love this choice because I would love to see Chewbacca competing at like the at the park on a Sunday with the old little old men with the pigeons flying around at <laughs> speed chest with all the other putzers. I uh, love the idea. I mean, I love the idea that he. I mean, it's not like Chewbacca is an idiot. Yeah, that's been established in Star Wars canon. Just because he's big and hairy doesn't mean that he's an idiot. Um, but he can fly a Millennium Falcon. So yeah, yeah, I can't. I can't do that. No. So there you go. Um, but obviously, he's got some anger issues, and I think that's something that we see in depictions of chess throughout fiction is the person who loses at chess and gets inherently very angry. We'll see this with another one of our choices uh, coming up. But I just, I just love, I love the idea that chess is supposed to be something that is such a, such a logical and dispassionate practice. Yeah. Yet so many times it enrages people whenever they get beat by someone, especially if it's someone they, who they don't consider to be on their level. And, and, you know, I think Chewbacca with his, with space chest would feel that way. I love that Chewbacca. Go ahead. I love that Chewbacca is like, oh, great. A robot. I'll play this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, and the, uh, uh, C-3PO is so condescending to, to, to his, his good pal R2-D2. He's just like, oh, let the Wookiee win. He's just, it's fine. What, what does winning or losing mean to any, to us? Who have no life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have no feelings. We are subservient to, to man and to Wookiee. Just eh, it's fine. What's it what he don't worry about it. You're you're okay. If you look at that scene where they're playing chess in the Millennium Falcon, it, it looks like the example of the first augmented reality uh chessboard where the pieces are like yeah. there in front of you moving, you know, but they're not uh-huh. really there. <laughs> I I love the uh I would love to read the chess instruction manual back then because i don't i don't know what the names of those like you know four-armed monsters are or whatever but it's not like king to queen seven or you know it's, it's yeah. not the same thing uh, uh there yeah. um i i do appreciate that uh han is obviously not a a a, a player of of degeric he's not a player of space chess this is something he totally keeps just around for Chewy to tinker around with. He's he's not back there just like playing with him. He's he's got other things to do. He's got other things on his mind. But can you imagine just Chewie's just back there every day, every night, just trying to get this thing to do what he wants wants to happen. And it's just the thing, like this is the game that Lando Calrissian put in here to impress space babes. And now <laughs> you like a cocktail before we play the space chess? How about a cold 45? A cold 45. I really do. Okay. All right. Cool. So that's an awesome choice. Uh, Scott, what is your second choice? Well, my second choice, um, I'm going to go with um, the new Grandmaster champion right now. His name is Magnus Carlsen. He's Norwegian. And when Bobby Fischer became the Grandmaster at 15, he was like the youngest. This guy became the Grandmaster at 13. Oh, wow. And, and he's um, right now, he's 30 years old and he's still the lead guy, I think, in the chess world. Wow. What, is, what does one have to do? Do you know to become a Grandmaster? Be Norwegian. Be Norwegian. <laughs> you, have to, you have to defeat an existing Grandmaster in hand to hand combat. Is that right? <laughs> Yes. Well, at least it's hands. I thought it was like leg Actually, wrestling. you have to defeat Grandmaster Flash. What? Grandmaster <laughs> Five? Oh my yeah. god! That's how you win. Uh, Grandmaster. Oh, that, that's Grand Wizard. That's a very unfortunate uh, <laughs> uh, moniker. Yeah. No. Come on, man. Come on, man. Well, I guess Bobby Fischer might have been that too, uh, um, based on his politics. Uh, 
so wow uh he was 13 as Griffin. that's what wikipedia says wow was there a doc about him i thought there was some kind of thing about that guy because i think i think when i looked up and saw his uh, face on google i think there is a documentary about about the dude um well, and uh, go ahead there's a rating system and it says his at his peak his classical rating was 2882 the highest in history this guy magnus wow yeah he also uh, as i'm reading our good friend wikipedia here he was also a model in, in an ad campaign with Liv tyler that was shot by anton corbin wow so, so yeah he's good looking and Even he's Chef look good. He's good looking and he's the smartest man in the world. So way to make wow. me feel great about myself. And he takes Liv Tyler. So exactly. Can you imagine if you let your woman left you? You'd be like, what is he? Some uh some you know grandmaster? Some big nerd yeah, nerd. Well, yeah. Oh, so he's some ugly nerd? No, he's hot. Ah shit. Oh man. <laughs> and his name's Magnus. Uh, Magnus sounds like the name of like a, a, what a chest condom. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> or one of the world's strongest uh, chess players. Yeah. He can lift a 500 ton. 500 ton uh, chess board. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Michael and Richard, what's your second choice? Okay. Our second choice. And I'll stay uh, within the realm of um, uh, chess prodigies. And that is Mr. Uh, Woodrow Boyd, uh, AKA Woody Boyd. Uh, from the TV series Cheers. And um, Woody uh, kind of stumbled into a game back in one of his earlier um, um, episodes or when, in one of the seasons that he, he joined the series in 87 in um, an, episode called, an episode called Spellbound where um, Frasier was just kind of uh, doing his usual Frasier sorts of things. Um, where he was uh, kind of showing off to the other people in the bar and playing chess against uh, um, um, Norm and uh, beating him soundly. And Woody's just kind of watching and he kind of mentions that uh, Norm was about to be beaten. He says, well, he can just move that, that piece there and, you know, he'll be fine or he'll, he'll win. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Frazier is like, oh, Woody, I can't believe I didn't see this any you know fills in the blank uh, type of move or defense or whatever and woody of course just says well he's just i just want him to move his horsey to in front of the pointy pointy head guy <laughs> and throughout the episode it's it's definitely like the c plot in the episode throughout the episode woody just continues to th just just throttle fraser um you know this very educated man and woody is definitely you know the um the uh what do they call him the He's just like the town dummy. He's the the, the wet behind the ears, and He's the town uh, yokel. The town yokel. Thank you, and uh, you know, very naive and innocent, but uh, he just constantly gets on Fraser's nerve. And I think what this type of character, this type of play, really highlights is just the prodigy without the grace, and it's just especially to someone who is just. Uh, chiseled out of grace and chiseled out of um, oh, yeah. uh, uh, well, you know, being mm -hmm. educated. And that is the most irksome thing for someone like that, where someone is just has this natural talent and comes out of nowhere and who otherwise he looks down upon. And, you know, the guy can barely tie his shoes together um, at times. And it's just to an educated person, someone who is good at the thing that you do is so frustrating. And I think chess is one of those games where like, it, you know, uh, it takes a long, you know, it doesn't take long to learn how to play, but you, it takes a lifetime or in theory to master, to learn moves and defense and strategy. And then there's someone that comes along is just, you know, to, sorry to, to kind of cross, cross, uh, metaphors. It's just like hitting home runs and you're just like, ah, oh, this is so just, I hate this. And of course, by the end of the episode, he's, uh, Woody is making battleship noises, blowing up his characters, and Frazier is turning the board over and storming out of the bar, you know, as he's <laughs> wont to do. It is such a great uh, foil for Frazier, this, uh, this element of Woody's, uh, untapped element of Woody's personality. And I think, like you hit it, so Frazier 
has grace and he has uh, he's well healed and he's well educated and he's not afraid that everybody should know that all the time. And so, whereas Woody could care less whether he has the intellectual capacity to excel at, at chess, yeah. it's just nothing to him. Whereas it's the most important thing to Frazier. Did you know that Woody, Woody Harrelson <laughs> auditioned for a character that was, that was named Woody before he walked in there? I had always thought that they re retconned the character's name to be Woody after Woody mm. Harrelson was cast. That's himself. funny. Well, it's such a common name, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. It's in Boston. It's such a common name. Um, that is, by the way, one of my favorite shows of all time. That's funny that you guys talk about that. I love that show. Yeah, they did another chess episode. It's funny, when Richard and I were kind of discussing picks, um, I had assumed it was part of the same episode, but um, they had another episode where Sam was trying to um, impress, uh, not Diane, who is Rebecca Howe, by... Uh, maybe he was trying to impress Rebecca or he was trying to uh, earn some sort of money to buy back the bar from um, Robin Colcourt. And so he challenged him to chess and had this elaborate uh, cheating system hooked up with like a uh, an earpiece and uh, uh, having his basically all the chess moves fed to him from, I'm, I assume it was uh, Frazier or Norm or somebody in the, in the, um, in the office. And he keeps losing or Robin keeps losing to him, even though he knows he's cheating. And then um, I think it's because Sam makes like just a random move and he does the random move that doesn't make sense. And that is the thing that kind of um, unsettles him. You know, he's playing a very classic game and then Sam just does something boneheaded and stupid and that is ultimately brilliant. And I think that is all uh, just another example of in this show, how they're so good at using like the kind of dumber characters to be foils for the smarter characters. And they're always, you know, kind of hoist on their own petard. Yeah. Yeah. They, definitely the uh, staff of Cheers are underdogs, all of them. And we know that they, they will kind of get their way through, make their way through the world with their own charm, certainly not their smarts. So <laughs> that is a great show. Scott, what drew you to that show? Were you, were you a, a fan when it was originally on television? You know, I think uh, my dad used to watch it when I was a kid, and then I started watching it. And um, I think what I loved about that show is, well, I've always loved studio sitcoms. I've always wanted to be in a studio sitcom. Yeah. Because there's a live audience, you know, it's like doing a live play every week. But um, that show and like Friends, when you have an ensemble cast of like eight to 10 people, I think that that's hilarious. Like, when you have like a show, like Seinfeld was definitely good, but it had like three or four characters, right? And there's other sitcoms in the studio that had just a few characters. But when you had like eight to 10 people always coming together every week yeah, and an ensemble cast, I, I just love that. Yeah, a Barney Miller, a Taxi, a Wing. Yes, yes. Yeah. Even yeah, Barney yeah. Miller, I remember watching a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Taxi was good. Yeah. Uh, although Barney Miller like funny wings or taxi was the kind of the weirdo of the week kind of show where there was always somebody kind of there was this aquarium in which all the main characters kind of hovered around and the sometimes the a or b story would be with them but there was always an outsider who would come come in and shake things up and if you notice the woody character replaced coach which coach and woody were the same character it's just one guy yeah. was young and kind of absent-minded and one guy was old mm -hmm. kind of absent-minded yeah that was it was the same character but they they filled the void with the young guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cheers has to have the award for most impeccable recasting of any sitcom over the years. So we are at our halftime, and at this point, we're going to implore you to uh, go on to our social handles, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and engage with us. It's your move. You can uh, do a pawn sacrifice or uh, do something <laughs> like that and kind of let us know what topics you would love to hear us discuss in the future. Uh, other people, Scott Vinci, have done that and they've ended up being on the show and we are very grateful that he is on the show. So, But you don't um, have to be on the show. <laughs> no, it's not. We don't make you come on the show. Just want to <laughs> make sure that's clear. Too. <laughs> it's not many seated. As they made me, guys. <laughs> they made me. <laughs> Blink if, you need, blink if you need help. Yes, every once in a while. <laughs> they can't you, see you. <laughs> you, as a Los Angeles resident, will get a, uh, a form letter from the, the LA podcast, the jury duty uh, 
office and you have to come in and report, <laughs> at least check in, at least check in. Uh, we do a podcast selection at the beginning of the week. And if you end up on a podcast, um, you might be locked in for as much as uh, a month. But we got a per diem for you, which is good. So uh, you could also do us a solid download, rate and review past episodes. If you came here for the chess episode, oh boy, are you in luck. Because I think <laughs> in past episodes, we've discussed board games. Did we discuss board games at some point? Yes, we did Maybe. a Mount Rushmore board game. Okay, all right. So, uh, yeah. Oh, there's a lot more like this. That's for not sure. <laughs> and uh, we are going to move on to our third choice from Mr. Scott Vinci, our guest. But before, Scott, you regale us with your third choice. Would there have been people who think maybe they're going to tune out or they're going to go online and start to suggest topics to us? Uh, before they go, I want them to know where they can find you and follow you. And I know you do some very funny videos on Instagram, and I think you're starting on the TikTok as well. Is that right? Yes, I am on TikTok, which I'm always used to giving out my Instagram. Let me see if I can find my um, TikTok here. Um, yeah, my... <laughs> So on TikTok, I'm at scottvinci.com or at scottvinci, S-C-O-T-T-V-I-N-C-I. And then on Instagram, I'm at scottbotla, S-C-O-T-T-B-O-T-L-A. Sweet. So uh, Scott, Scott does a very good Matthew McConaughey impersonation. <laughs> has been regaling us with excerpts from, <laughs> what is the book? Uh, Mr. McConaughey. Green Lights. Oh. He, uh, he actually, uh, he had this contest where he's like, Everybody do an impression of me doing the green lights thing, so I did one, and uh, he never saw it. So oh dear, very, yeah, he's like he's posting all these people that have done it, and I was like, oh cool, maybe he'll you know do no, never even saw mine, didn't care. Uh, they moved on to like some other thing. What a but, jerk! What? Yeah, do an impression of me. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Egotistical much, Mr. McConaughey? Talk about ego. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, what's your third choice for a real or a fictional chess player? Well, I'll give the fictional one that I have now. Um, Beth Harmon from The Queen's Gambit. Nice. Which was played by Anya Taylor-Joy. And uh, I was trying to look up the statistic, but because of The Queen's Gambit series on Netflix, she had posted on her Instagram, uh, a, her personal Instagram account. It said, like, because of this show, this many thousand people Googled chess, this many thousand people downloaded the app, this many people were playing again. Like, I, this wasn't even a real thing, but look what it did to the world of chess. It opened it up and made people realize, oh yeah, this is still a thing. Like people are playing again. And if, if it had to be fake like this, a fictional account was like, well, more power to it. At least people are interested again. So I think yeah. that's a really great uh, thing that happened. Not to mention, I think um, I really enjoyed it for one, the chess, but I like um, I like that a lot of it took place in the 50s and then the 60s. And I like the 60s era a lot, the music, the the style, the cars oh, all yeah. that stuff. and all that all that stuff was in this series. And I just I, I watched it twice because I was so enamored by the series. Mm -hmm. All the chess pieces had giant fins on the back. That's how you know it was the 50s and 60s. And rocket so. lights, yes. yes. Smoking Paul Malls. Uh, <laughs> funny that, yeah, the, I'm sure the, uh, was it the Mattel people are like, wow, no, nobody bought Battleship after our movie came out. <laughs> but chess, they all want to know about chess. I wonder if there is a movie studio like going, damn, damn it, why didn't, why didn't we buy the rights to the game of chess so we could make a mint off this thing? It is a crapshoot, isn't it? Because I remember when, and this is a little different, obviously. Uh, I remember when they redid that movie Speed Racer and I was excited because I was like, they should really do, they should really redo Speed Racer. I bet that would be good. Then they came out with the movie and it was kind of not that good. It was kind of terrible. It was kind of weird. Oh, get out of, get uh -oh. out of town. I, you are, this is uh -oh. not on the right, you're not you on the right it? corner. I His hackles adore, <laughs> I adore Speed Racer. It was the most amazing movie I've ever seen in a movie theater in my life. I've bought like three versions of it. I have it on Blu-ray. <laughs> had it on dvd ah uh, i adore this movie uh, you found congratulations scott you found the speed racer fan <laughs> I'm, I'm the one the big emil hurst yeah fan. <laughs> yeah but i know you know but i to, to I, I know what you mean you know you think just because you think that you have 
an interesting IP or you think you have an idea for how it can work and it doesn't hit and it must be so disappointing because, you know, Speed Racer, as much as I love it, was kind of like a flop. People didn't, yeah, they didn't, either they didn't want to see, uh, you know, uh, chimpanzees and, um, uh, you know, Dan from uh, Roseanne uh, doing, you know, <laughs> karate on people or they're just like, you know, insane people. I mean, what do you want? Yeah. You know, if you were to say like the animated series was so colorful and the, like the Dutch angles and the cars and all that stuff was so cool, it it almost makes sense. I always think something like the Batman TV series and then mm -hmm. the uh, 89 Batman film and how different they were. They were both bright and colorful but one per, an audience of one might not have been an audience of the other because they were so they were so different. I think I think people like like them both. They're both hits, but but yeah, Speed Racer was the feature was definitely colorful and very graphic mm -hmm. and cartoonish in its way. But yeah, it did not. It, did it just not, didn't hit didn't in any hit, way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, guys, before we move on, can I pitch you on my uh, my movie version of the Game of Life? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> because think about it, it's got everything. Yeah. It, it literally has everything that happens in life, yeah. including the stock market, uh -huh. which is uh -huh. which is big right now. You've topical. got yeah, very topical. You've yeah. got a convertible, you've yeah. got college if you want to go to that or maybe not. It's yeah. like boyhood but but like much deeper. Yeah. So who who do you see for the lead in the film? Oh, me, definitely. Oh, definitely Matt Freddy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you want to sell tickets. Yeah, exactly. Put some butts uh, in seats, boys. Well, that's uh, for better or for worse. Anybody who's encouraging people to to uh, participate in the centuries-old game that requires a, an attention span and focus that is not asked for in most entertainment. You don't just you have to think entirely differently in chess than you do uh, as a consumer of of. Uh, um, most entertainment so that that's a pretty great thing i'm glad you I, I, I had a chess guy once tell me he goes if chess were easy it'd be checkers nice <laughs> that, sounds, that could deep. be in that could be in green lights matthew mcconaughey yeah. <laughs> what you I, saying, I was just gonna say i'm glad you brought up technology because my son who is eight has been playing chess on his uh kindle off and on for the last couple of years and it's just so different than I was growing up and I tried to play chess and I had to basically play against my family who were disinterested in it and, you know, whatever. Um, well, the, the chess app, the, the chess app, I had to delete it, but you, you, they show the flag of the people you're playing. It's like, oh, you're playing a guy from the Netherlands. You're playing a guy from Bolivia. You're playing a guy from Spain. All these different places. Are, I was playing everybody around the world. I was like, this is so cool. You, you could always find a game. And, and I, I get what you're saying. When I was little, I had to find, wait till my dad got off work. And if he could play, we'd play. Yeah. And, and with my kid, you know, they've got, you know, training games that they have set up to kind of learn more about the game. And he kind of went through that before he got to start playing actual games and AI with different levels. It's so much different you know, learning how to play now than it was certainly when we were growing up. I played a friend uh, long distance uh, in a computer game and I, he would not, I could not win. And uh, he only later revealed that when he would plug my moves into a, another computer on the side and whatever that computer did in response, he would do to me. So it was like playing a computer. Um, that's cheating. That's what that's, that's called. called. That's, <laughs> called that's called cheating. Uh, moving on to Richard and Michael and their third choice. Gee, Jeff, did you just talk about a computer playing chess? Why, yes, I did. Why, how fortuitous, since our next choice is Deep Blue. Oh, wow. The computer playing chess machine, or the chess playing computer machine, uh, developed developed by IBM, that thoroughly eventually flamoxed uh, former world champion Gary Kasparov, mm -hmm. um, to the point where Kasparov threw a snit fit about it, and claimed that uh, IBM had been cheating to try and get their stock prices up by mm -hmm. making by uh, doing some sort of nefarious things behind the scenes 
and using human grandmasters to kind of suggest moves <laughs> for Deep Blue. You know, uh, you know, Jeff. Before before Richard goes into it, um, you don't need to psychoanalyze us at the end. You know, okay. three so far, three of our four choices have involved people who are bad winners and bad losers. So <laughs> all three of them are, have people that feature yeah. stories of people throwing up their arms and uh, claiming the other side is cheating. So yeah, you're that, telegraphing. I think, I think yeah. that just highlights, highlights us a little bit. Your insolence is ob obvious. <laughs> uh, so Kasparov wasn't, uh, he wasn't saying the computer is too strong, the computer is, is too intelligent, the computer is cheating. It's that people were making, helping the computer cheat. Yeah, that wow. was that was his allegation was that the that there was some sort of because he thought that the the deep blue was making plays that were that had a a certain level of um how would you say it sophistication sophistication yeah. or something that would something that would would go beyond what a a machine like more creative oh, okay than what a machine would be oh, able to come up with that's interesting but so I would was, imagine they plugged in so many games and so many algorithms and like uh, you played the computer on your computer before you never win. I never win. Nobody ever wins against the computer. Do they? No, I don't think so. I think it's impossible. I don't think I anyone ever has. Because the computer uh, can never make a mistake. That's sort of the point of the computer is that it is, it is this, it's just this logic machine. Right. Um, and I think that's what Cast. I mean, and the way they had they played each other twice, and the first time Kasparov won the series, the second time Deep Blue won, and it was set up so after every match, uh, programmers and grandmasters could consult and kind of reprogram Deep Blue to sort of have more information to try to make better decisions. I just love that they like pulling out the cartridge and blowing on it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. Deep blue. Hold on. <laughs> okay. All right. No, I think it should work now. Wait a second. Did they you plug in the, the they game, plug in the genie, game genie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the game the genie. Well, it does seem like a person can play uh, in a certain style, but a computer, I guess Kasparov was kind of imagining that a computer had its own logic or lack of logic. It, it uses brute force calculation to go through every possible outcome and determine the best move based on the, the reduced level of, of uh, chances for success that its opponent will have. Uh, whereas Kasparov is always going to play like a human. He's always going to have a certain weaknesses and vulnerabilities and, and tendencies to move certain pieces in a certain way or whatever. And it doesn't seem like he would have the ability to analyze that. That shows what I don't know about chess, honestly, the grace and the magic and the, all the mythology. Fine. Now, there's one theory here. Nate Silver from 538 has suggested that there was a bug in Deep Blue software that in the second game on the 44th move, it made a completely random move, kind of the, the Sam Malone uh, method of play <laughs> oh. that uh, Nate Silver suggests uh, basically threw Kasparov off to the point that his, he got anxious and didn't understand what the machine was doing that affected him the rest of the the, for the following game, mm -hmm. um, which I find fascinating, this idea that just you're, ex you know, as a human, you're expecting the machine to be able to be a machine. And when it does something that's completely out of the blue, that turns out to be a bug, possibly or out of the deep blue, Ooh. as you will, mm -hmm. that when you when something like that happens, it essentially just completely the human brain can't process that. It wow. just sort of short circuits for a while <laughs> big fan of uh the movie blade runner i don't know if any of you have chosen a uh, big fan of the movie short circuit short circuit no uh, disassemble number five <laughs> okay sorry Who's he said it he said it Richard. uh yeah when jf sebastian is uh uh going up the elevator in the tyrell corporation to see tyrell and roy batty is with him roy batty's telling him some chess moves to uh, put into the communicator to to tell his boss, and at that point, I think uh, Tyrell knows something is amiss. That a man, somebody with superior intelligence, is is in the same elevator with JF Sebastian, and who knows uh, that might be a, a thing that was created by Tyrell. So uh, that was that's one of my favorite chess chess things. So, okay, um, 
Mr. Scott Vinci, it's your final choice. Let us know what it is. This is Endgame right here. This is a real guy. His name's Matt Thomas. Oh, Matt right Thomas. now he is the chess boxing champion. Chess I boxing. I don't know if you guys know <laughs> what chess boxing <laughs> is, but it goes uh, six rounds of chess and five rounds of boxing. Each round lasts three minutes and you win by checkmate or, or knockout. So they start out, I believe, with a boxing round. Then they bring the chess table into the uh, middle of the ring and they take off their gloves and they play chess for like three minutes. Then they go back to a boxing. Then they go back to chess. And uh, they've been, I, I want to say 2000. Uh, I forget when they, uh, I saw a documentary on YouTube. The guy who invented it, um, him and his, he, he was, um, I think he was Dutch and he went into a bar in Germany or something. He met another guy who was into boxing. And then all of a sudden I, I figured out how they, I forgot how they thought about it, but um, they did the first match. And uh, uh, from there on it, it's become a thing. And now it says um, there's like a thousand fights worldwide yearly <laughs> chess boxing. Wow. wow. I find, they want to find out like who's, who's the best man intellectually and physically. Yeah. And they figured this was the best way to do it. That is profoundly interesting to me because I can imagine if you were behind in one, you knew you had to make it up in the other. Like if you're getting your brains throttled out in the boxing component of it, like how, how much intellectual capacity do you have it within the chess domain of it? But I, Oh, Jeff, I Jeff, we are, we are so <laughs> close. Oh, Jeff, you and I are real close to seeing a version of this. Uh, with Hugh Jackman oh, and Real yes. Steel, the Real Steel chess. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go on another mandate. We're there, just robots beating each oh. other, then trying to play chess. Deep Blue versus R two D two in chess boxing, <laughs> Robo chess boxing. Oh, it, we're closing so. in, brother. I love the over the top version. Yeah. Yeah. Of, <laughs> I love the idea that you're playing chess, but something could happen during the chess match that will will rattle your brain to the point that you're no longer able to play chess correctly. Yeah. It, right. Hit, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like you could be cruising along in your chess match and then you have a three minute round and maybe you don't get knocked out, but you get knocked senseless. Mm -hmm. But then you got to sit back down and try and like through this haze of a concussion, you know, brain injury, you have to try and figure out, you know, remember what your, your next set of moves mm -hmm. are. It seems like you could just be really good at one and win. Yeah. Right? So I was, I I'm, I'm reading about this, and apparently you need to have a, there's a minimum uh, LO rating, which is how uh, uh, chess players are rated, and you have to have fought at least 50 amateur bouts. Hmm. So there is, a, there is some sort of minimum level of skill at both that you need to, need to have. I think the hardest part about it is that, you know, they have to box around the chess table set up in the middle of the ring and like <laughs> right. the pieces getting jostled and blood splattering across the table. And what if things get moved? I, That's I, what's really hard. I would what love if you to... fall down and get impaled by a, by a bishop? Sure. Yep. What, if you tell, what if you tell your ring man, cut me? It's like, we have, we're just in the chess part. <laughs> <laughs> cut me. Cut me, Mick. Cut me. No, cut me, Mick. Your eyes what are fine. You, what if you pick up a rook and just hit a guy with it? <laughs> Is that they, okay? do, they do move the board in and out uh, before. Uh, okay. oh, we're not, not in the ring while you're boxing, but that would be cool if it had to be still in there while you're boxing. I would love to see the ring, the ring girl bringing the, the, the girl who brings in the numbers, just like this kind of like thick glasses, prescription shoes, like a, like a, a little, well, that's stop. You're making me hot. Jeff. Please. That's why I want to bring, I want to bring um, tic-tac-toe UFC fighting. Nice. So, I think I could do that. It's a little, you know. Well, in the beginning, you did say I was going to choose uh, Cobra Kai karate or chess. So it almost seems like you, you did choose them both in a way in, in that answer. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, the final uh, selection from Michael and Richard is happening now. What is it? It is um, Professor X from the X Men series of comics and oh, no. movies. Um, Professor X is often, Professor X is a mutant, Professor Charles Xavier, with um, mind reading and telepathy um, powers, the world's most powerful telepath and mind reader. And um, he often uh, spends his leisure time um, playing chess against his um, 
fellow students at Xavier's Institute for Higher Learning or whatever it's called nowadays. And um, in the movies, he is often portrayed as playing chess against um, his best friend and best nemesis, um, Eric Lenscher, AKA Magneto. And I appreciate the way that chess is used in the movies to display these two people that have the same common um, goal, which is kind of advancing mutant rights, um, but from different points of view. Um, I think often uh, Magneto is portrayed uh, as the kind of uh, Malcolm X type character who wants um, mutant superiority um, through kind of violent means and by whatever it means necessary. And Professor X is um, trying to advance the mutant cause by um, more nonviolent and more integrated terms. Although he has this, you know, his squad of superheroes that he sends out to defeat um, bad guys and whatnot. But that chess can be used as like this metaphor, these two people that are just playing a game within this kind of mutant world I find is interesting. Um, and the second point I think about Professor X is that he is this telepath. He can play this game and read somebody's mind and win instantly. But it's about these ethics, these kind of self-imposed ethics that he has uh, put upon himself that he, at some point he understands, I have these powers that can basically get whatever I want, understand a person's motives, but I will not use them um, for things that um, aren't, chivalrous isn't quite the right word, but aren't, aren't ethical. And he is this kind of, um, at least from what I've read in the comics, I know that uh, I'm currently like going through back issues. I'm like in 1994 right now. I've read from 1975 to 94 Wow. And I'm trying to catch up in the last 25 years, but um, you know, as it is right now, he's he's still pretty pretty much a good guy, and you know, that's with a lot of caveat. Maybe things have changed. By the way, but Mag like I, Magneto plays with plastic pieces. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that makes him a good guy too. You know, because he's not moving things around and throwing things through people. Oh, tell faces. that to the oceans and the sea turtles. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that, that there are aspects about him where um, chess is described is this thing where if you know somebody's um, moves ahead of time, you can defeat them. And then he chooses um, specifically not to use his powers for, for those moves. I, I read something um, recently where he was like playing with uh, it's either beast or it was Banshee or something. <laughs> and that was the entire joke. It was like, how do I know he, he, Banshee was, it was Banshee. He's like, how do I know you're not going to just read my mind and win? And he's like, well, then I wouldn't be your teacher. And I wouldn't be the, like the de facto leader of this team. I wouldn't be here trying to be this good guy. If I could just cheat, what's, what's the point of that? And I think, um, uh, you know, for all the people that are that, you know, the Gary Kasparovs that will claim that the robots are cheating against him with humans, you know, there's this guy that at least, you know, in a fictional world is ethical enough to have these amazing powers and never and never use them for this simple game. If you needed to make a shortcut in a movie or a TV show or a book or a whatever to describe someone's character, a chessboard is the perfect thing. It, it does show sophistication, intellectual um, mm. prowess. Uh, it does reveal even just to have one in the interior design of one's home um, uh, shows off a certain amount of character. But it's interesting with uh, with Professor Charles Xavier, who is himself a mutant, yet he is using it to d demonstrate how humane and human he can be and how civilized he could be. Even though I have these powers, I don't I don't use them to to defeat. I use them to connect me with other people. So yeah, that is interesting. I do wonder too. It's like, it's, it's, it would be like if people thought Hugh Hefner wanted to see them naked. It's like, dude, I've seen everybody naked. I don't need to, I don't need to read your damn mind. <laughs> I don't need, to, I've seen so many minds. I'm so, I'm so uninterested in reading your damn mind. All right, guys. Wow. Thank you for bearing your souls, at least the chess uh, parts of them in this dialogue. And Michael and Richard, you're right. 
you do not need to be Professor X, a brilliant psychoanalyst, to see that you guys are deeply disturbed and uh, <laughs> definitely uh, concerned uh, in this uh, uh, game that someone will kind of, uh, um, I don't know, put you in check and reveal the uh, paranoia of which you approach every day and every human interaction. It's really kind of sad. Um, <laughs> But your choices were Chewbacca, which was hilarious. Checkmate, Richard. We're going. It was so funny. I love. We're so we're close. So we're so close, Jeff. To just flipping the board over and running away right now. You told I would deserve it, uh, Woody. So you got a Wookie, then you got a Woody, um, and then you got a Deep Blue, and then you got a Professor X. But you know who's going to win in a sweep? Mr. Scott Vinci. Mr. Scott Vinci, wow. all four choices are going up on the Mount Rushmore. I didn't see it coming, but thank you. Didn't, you. you didn't predict this. You got to think uh, about your opponent. I was always, I was, uh, my my um, poker face was turned into a chess face in this case. <laughs> Bobby Fisher, because right, I mean, he's like the uh, poster the face, boy. The poster boy. He's like the Orville Redenbacher of chess. Um, <laughs> Magnus Carlson, who's like the new up and comer here. And he's a model. And, and he's a model. Oh my God. Can you believe that? Um, it wouldn't be amazing if he was just great at it. Like they probably expect him to just stand there, but he's just like, boom. Like, what if he's striking? He's like amazing. Or what if he can only, oh, what if they, they ask him to walk the runway and he's like, <laughs> I need it to be diagonal. I can only go two, two steps. I can go forward. two up one, one, one <laughs> two to the side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should have gone with that first. Uh, Beth Harmon, the character from Queen's Gambit. And uh, Matt Thomas, uh, a current champion of chess boxing. So thank you, Scott Vinci. Uh, remind our, our audience where people can uh, find you on social media. On Instagram at scottbotla, S-C-O-T-T-B-O-T-L-A, and Scott Vinci, S-C-O-T-T-V-I-N-C-I, on TikTok. That's wonderful. We'll, we'll seek him out because he's a very funny dude. And uh, you know, I'm just I'm just happy on this episode about chess. We got to talk about real steel and um, speed racer. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> so I feel I feel just really just gonna go into the week just feeling fucking <laughs> super. He's, he's that's another along. episode. All all the '60s, 1960s cartoons. Uh, who, who are the what are the top four? Mm. The top four. Hey, uh, we'll we'll we will do anything for a good topic around here. So thank you, Scott. You might have to return to be a guest on that. It is your curse. It is your curse. This has been the Mount Rushmore of uh, real and fictitious chess players. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. I'm Scott. <laughs> oh, yay. Yeah. No one's ever done that. No one's <laughs> ever done that. No, I've, I've got a little bit of showbiz cred. So. <laughs> 253 episodes and no yeah. one's ever liked